It's Wednesday, August 17th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann, from Inside Value, Joe Mager, and from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. Guys, good to see you for the second day in a row. We're going to try to behave today. <laughs> no, no. Don't, why, why start behaving now? Oh, fair point. All right. We've got an IPO. We've got earnings from Abercrombie & Fitch. We've got some uh, some very entertaining emails from our listeners. But we are going to begin with Dell. Shares of Dell down today after the company cut its forecast for the rest of the fiscal year. Joe, profit was also up 63%, but that, that kind of doesn't seem to like... To $2. Like, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it doesn't even matter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think what typically happens here is this is one of those stories where they lower guidance, and a lot of people initially are like, "Why is the stock dropping?" And it's it's because analysts respond to guidance, and they cut their sales guidance for the year. Uh, it's tough to tell if it's because of the actual economy deteriorating. I I think that's most of it, but part of it, in their defense, was it sounds like they're chasing less bad business, and you got to give them a little bit of credit for that. They're moving away from being a box maker of consumer goods towards focusing on higher value products. I was going to ask if, if Dell's moving away from bad business, what do they have left? <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got So they're the, shutting uh, down, right? <laughs> you know the No, I got nothing. All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, I mean, I don't like the stock, but I, I think maybe reaction today is a little bit much, but if you're selling off on this news, uh, I don't know, where were you owning hey, Dell in the hey, first hey. place? All the big value guys say Dell's one of the cheapest stocks there is. Yeah, and they've been saying that for like four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit weird for me because 15 years ago, Dell was one of those hot <clears throat> consumer brands, and that's how they marketed it. Are, I mean, are they just have they just completely given that up and saying, you know what, the safest move for us is to just try and become IBM for the next century? Well, that's the move I think all these guys are going after because it is. I don't know if it's value. a move, right? It's sort of they're just getting kind of kicked down the road, right? Yeah, I mean they've basically used the they had a big cash pile and they're using it to try and get away from their original bread and butter. But I mean, what they originally used to do is just focusing on boxes for consumers. It's not all that profitable business, and all the value is really in software, and they're learning that the hard way. So one of the other companies that's obviously trying to do this is HP. Where do you think Dell stacks up against HP in that race? Well, how far uh, how, how far down in the wood pile are both of these two companies? And they both rate pretty highly on the ineptitude scale. <laughs> Tim, Walmart's going to be bigger than both of them in ten years. <laughs> so is Amazon. So <laughs> back to you, Chris. Over the next five years, which do you? If you, had, I think if you Amazon's going to gonna sell a lot of Kindles. No, no, no. Over uh, HP and Dell over the next five years, you have to own one. What are you um, going with? I'm going to go with HP because they're. I don't know. I think they're, despite their numerous stupid mistakes lately, I still think they're a better player than Dell. Tim? I don't know enough about the situation <laughs> to comment. I probably wouldn't be involved in either. Please don't make me answer. Uh, actually, I would say HP as well, simply because they have much more of a of, of a defendable franchise in the printing mm. business, and there's a lot of recurring revenue that comes from having having that installed base and printers out there. Yeah, and the stock's been hit pretty hard, too, yeah. because everybody's just been trashing them fairly for some <laughs> pretty bad moves. All right, we had another internet IPO today. Tudo, the Chinese video sharing website, went public at twenty nine a share. Started out as Fordo, and then yeah. <laughs> and, Tim, I don't get this. It's an internet. That's a I- horrible joke. Uh, <laughs> it's an internet IPO. Shares are down. What? What is going on? It's a, the world has changed, Chris. It's it, a world gone mad. I thought internet, it's China. I thought internet IPOs only went up on opening day. Unfortunately, you know this is the second uh, YouTube of China to come public this year, so maybe maybe <laughs> the demand has all been soaked up. 
it, it's a page view play. They don't make any money. In fact, they lose a lot of money. They lost more money than they had in sales, which is bad. <laughs> then uh, I would call this a successful IPO. This, I mean, fact, whatever number it is, the I fact mean, if that they got public at all is good news for them. Uh, now there's a rumor going around that uh, Tencent, which is the big. Uh, very profitable, very resource-rich Chinese internet company is going to partner with uh, Tudo's competitor, Yoku, to do some sort of page-view thing. And, and Tencent is the type of company that has shown a willingness to subsidize money-losing operations with its core sort of gaming business. And, and you know, Tudo is already behind Yoku in, in, in most metrics, including page-views. So this would seem like one to stay away from. Why aren't we starting a YouTube of China and taking it public? How many Chinas are there? We've got to move on. I think there are already 100 of those. We could do the YouTube of Bangladesh now and see how that works. Do you think the reaction to the stock today is just about this one company, or is it in some ways, hopefully, a a sign of sort of broader sanity settling in? I I don't think it's a sign of sanity because, you know, it's still got public at a a very healthy valuation. Yeah, for for a bag of hair. I mean, they- Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the uh, uh, the thing here is is this has been a, a drawn-out saga of an IPO process. They've tried to get on the market many, many times and had many, many, many problems getting out there. So had they got it right the first time, maybe there would have been more excitement. But I think, you know, people found out about all the problems about this company before it even got on the market. Bill? Yeah. Congratulations, you're public. <laughs> All right. Before we get to our final story, uh, we did get a few emails. Um, if you listened uh, yesterday, you'll recall that uh, we got an email a while back from a guy named Dustin Whitmer, who, um, among other things, referred to Market Foolery as his third favorite podcast. Uh, which again, that's nice. That's yeah, nice. we're like the cheap trick in we're, his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're in the top three. Um, he didn't say what his his top two were, which is uh, you know, again, Dustin, drop us an email, radio at fool dot com. We, we're just curious about your. Uh, your first two. But we did get some emails from uh, folks. Uh, Tori Lindman sent an email saying, The Fools are my number one podcast. I listen each day via the Android app or my Google Reader Listen app on my phone. Very nice. We're number uh, one. We're number one. Uh, Edward Ridgely, love the program. Listen to you all every day. Market Foolery is second on my favorite podcast, right next to Mike Wilbon's and Tony Kornheiser's Pardon the Interruption. Although I'm not sure how fair it is to compare a sports show to a financial program. We'll take that. We're PTI fans. We'll take that. We're big fans of PTI. Wasn't there more to that email? Uh, And his final line was, um, I like to think of Joe Mager as Dan Lebetard. Just I, I still do not know <laughs> what to think of that. So, so, so. Uh, Dan, I think it's awesome, Dan Lebitard. You know, I think that's great because Dan Lebitard, a very popular uh, sports columnist with the Miami Herald, has some things going for him. He's getting his own show on uh, ESPN. Uh, that's and it's being headed up by Eric Rideholm, our friend, uh, a former Motley Fool guy, and and uh, he's the guy who heads up PTI. You should be. You, you should, know, should we? Is this when we announce that we're starting a podcast where I talk about Google all day, every day? Um, you know, we're. we're yeah, yeah, later. later. Oh, Once my bad. Once we get in the fall. It's going to be huge. Um, and uh, this was not an email, but on Twitter, a longtime listener, Liam McCusker, wrote, Market Foolery, fantastic ending with Angry Uncle Joe. <laughs> I think this is a battle about which nickname we need to adopt for Joe. Is it Angry Uncle Joe or is it Joe? The damn Levitard of the Fool. <laughs> you know what? We can go with both? We can go either way. I feel like Angry Uncle Joe's kind of harsh. I don't think my grandmother would have liked that name. <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll do two things. Folks can, can drop us an email, radio at fool.com. They can let us know what they think. We'll, we, but also internally here at The Fool, we'll put that on the internet. And... You'd at least be surly. I'd rather be surly <laughs> than <laughs> can we can, can we agree that whatever the outcome of that, of that reader response is or listener response is, is that we get to refer to Joe? Buy that moniker for at least one show. And he has to legally change his name. <laughs> <laughs> Both those things. All right. Final I agree. 
I voted. It's three to one. Yeah, we we have a quorum. Uh, Our final story, shares of Abercrombie & Fitch down today after the company said expenses will continue to rise this year. Bill, man, that that doesn't seem like it should be news, but uh, (laughs) apparently it is. I always wonder about how the market works. That it's, things don't seem like they matter until it's the only thing that matters. So Abercrombie and Fitch came out. They said there's some competitive pressures, which you know that's fine. But the cotton prices and other input costs were up. This has been one of the big stories of 2011. The fact that all of these commodities, you know, particularly crops, have gotten so much more expensive, and so suddenly uh, Abercrombie and Fitch says, "Yes, it's having an impact," and the stock goes down eight percent. I mean, I'm just it's happening to us too. Newsflash! Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Right. The cotton, yeah, cotton prices are off the board. Cotton it's, prices are affecting the Motley Fool. Is that what you're saying? You know, it uh, might delay our Chinese YouTube. I think. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, I mean, and you know, the the other side of that is not only our input prices rising, but it's becoming harder and harder in a depressed consumer environment to pass those prices along. Um, most companies that are maintaining margins, if you actually look at how they break it out, they're losing a ton of margin on on costs of goods sold. But they're making it up by cutting costs on the on the SGNA side, which is basically laying people off or you know things of that nature. So they're not passing along price increases, and eventually, if this inflation continues and the consumer stays depressed, you're going to start seeing margin erosion at a lot of companies across the board. That's why the Abercrombie and Fitch stores in our area are now help yourself stores. Is that, is that maybe <laughs> one reason? Is that true? They've got, they've got more posters than they used to. Now, in addition to their earnings statement, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch also. Um, somewhat curiously, called out the cast of Jersey Shore. Love this. Um, in an official statement, Abercrombie and Fitch uh, expressed worry that Jersey Shore is causing, quote, significant damage to our image because apparently uh, Mike Sorrentino, who is the situation sure. on Jersey Shore, apparently he's a big Abercrombie and Fitch guy. Um, so Abercrombie and Fitch has officially offered money to the cast of Jersey Shore to cease and desist, to stop wearing their Love stuff. It. Basically, we're all running out to buy Abercrombie and Fitch spectacular. stuff. This. <laughs> is it, I, it kind of is spectacular. Yes. You know, I think it's pretty obnoxious. On by who, who? On whose part? Well, I think they're all obnoxious <laughs> in, in this circle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's angry Uncle Joe again. <laughs> I, I mean, I just think it's a little, it's a little harsh, and it's just a... It's a gimmick to take advantage of their popularity, and it, like the guy, the CEO brings it up in the. Isn't their popularity call. a gimmick? Yeah, the <laughs> whole thing is a gimmick. No, They're a brand. Sure. Well, yeah. and, and let's let's just step back and look at what has Abercrombie and Fitch had to deal with over the last twelve months. Among those things, uh, there was the bed bug problem in yeah. New York in their stores in New York City, and uh, then there was the controversy over the padded bikini bra that they were marketing to eight year old girls. They do like so it's a- like really Jersey Shore is bad for your image. Well, you got to draw the line somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you do if you're if you're Mike Sorrentino? If you're the situation, do you take the money? What you do you take the money and you start looking for other vulnerable brands? Oh yeah, oh yeah, other br- oh, yeah. no brainer. Other no. brands to his th- press conference says I'm Gap. moving to Aeropostale right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he needs to cash in immediately as to as big a magnitude as he can. And, yeah. and if this is a lever he can pull, this is an easy lever to pull. Yeah. So, so what are the brands that should be scared? Because like Coca Cola is not going to be threatened by you know. The cast of Jersey Shore. They're not going to hurt Coca-Cola's brand. Who's, who, who are they a legitimate threat to? Tiffany. Yeah, Dressed ma- head to toe at Tiffany. Mass classy brands, I guess. Yeah. Tiffany would be a good example. Coach would probably be pretty fearful. Yeah. 
Joe, you're a big Google Plus guy. You want you want to hang out with the situation on Google Plus? You know, I would actually take him because if you look at social networks, I mean, it, a lot of it is just around big celebrities getting on there, like the Charlie Sheen moment on Twitter that people talk about. Yep. He was huge, huge. So you're a lot of the situation. <laughs> I wouldn't put it like that. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, in if fact, you, I'd put it kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I'd be thrilled if he got on there and just started doing. Uh, you know, showing awkward photos of himself wearing Abercrombie clothes. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> but you know what I'm no, that came out wrong for you. Do not <laughs> cut that from the show. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up here. Bill Mann from Motley Fool Asset Management, Tim Hansen from Global Gains, and Angry Uncle Joe Mager. Bright red. Thanks. Joe Mager. <laughs> Dan Levitard of The Fool. Guys, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll see you next time. We did not deliver on the promise to behave better. Joe, no. Joe was getting really red as he was saying how thrilled he would be to see awkward pictures of the situation. I don't think I'm going to lift that one down. Oh, no. I'd love to get a massage by the situation. I mean, no, I didn't mean that. He is a very handsome man. No, I just meant he has great abs. That's all I meant. No, I meant... It's such beautiful eyes. No, I- no. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Cut. Uh. <coughs> Run it just like that.